Veritatem facientes in caritate. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is a fundamental principle that rules, governs Christian activity, conditioning its value in the eyes of God. Our superiors and priests of the Institute of Christ the King mention regularly and with insistence this important principle of spiritual life, particularly for the disciples of St. Francis de Sales, living the truth in charity, which has become our late motive or motto of the Institute. However, very often we consider only the external aspect of this motto, its extrinsic meaning or application, but we forget what is the internal or intrinsic meaning, application for us. We often use it, and of course in a correct and a right way, and in a very Salesian way, to explain that the truth has to be proclaimed and defended with charity. But we remain in that dual relationship, me versus others. Me and my relation with society. However, this, in my opinion, simply is a consequence, an effect of the underlying fundamental principle of the theology of St. Paul, doing the truth in charity. As we approach the Lenten season, it's time for self-reformation, as we know, time for conversion or reconversion, or maybe simply reversion. Let us see how we can apply this motto to ourselves, now in a more internal, intimate perspective, in relation with our own self. So three words, veritatem, the truth, caritate, charity, and facientes. And here the translation of the word facientes does not always reflect its full meaning, which in Latin is to practice, to accomplish, which then does not only refer to just doing or proclaiming the truth, but also to practice it. In other words, to live off the truth. Three points, therefore, for our sermon today. Spiritual life, first of all, can only be maintained in us through our actions, through the choices we make. Facientes. Second point, these acts must be integral, must be true, and animated by sanctifying grace. This will be under veritatem. And finally, they must be reported to God through caritate, charity. Veritatem facientes in caritate. Thus faith, says St. James, if it has no deeds to shew for itself, has lost its own principle of life. This first part is easy to understand. Necessity of good works, of choices to make and act. In the work of our salvation, deeds are essential for every life. Our Lord affirmed that the kingdom of heaven will not give entrance to every man who says, calls me master, master, 
but only to the man that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So what we do, our action should only be the concretization of what we believe, what we have learned, what we know to be good for us. Christ, says St. Paul, wins eternal salvation for all those who render obedience to him. But what deeds should we accomplish? What kind of works should we perform? What should be the nature of our actions? Veritatis facientes. Practice. Live off the truth with integrity, with the desire of corresponding fully to the nature we have received from our Creator. They should be true. They should be integral works. Now you might ask, when then is an object or a subject true, integral? I can affirm, for instance, that gold is true, true gold, when the reality, the gold I have, is in perfect accordance with what the definition of gold encompasses. Otherwise, this is just fake or false gold, a mere copy, an imitation of what real gold is. A human work is said to be true now when the action is done according to all the properties that make it human. And these are right reason, willpower, and freedom. Very basic. If these conditions are not all present, then it is a false human act, or something is missing in this act. I lie to myself, in a way. And this implies, of course, a lot of consequences for our moral life. The specificity of our actions, actions wanted by our Creator, God, relies on their humanness, accomplished by a free creature, with the will enlightened by right reason. It then becomes an integral and moral act when in conformity with the divine design, who has established all things according to a certain order, with due measure, with goodness, with beauty, and with a purpose. So a contrario now, on the other side. Sin comes into play when my reason, my right reason, is not considering anymore the divine will, the divine plan that the architect had in mind when creating the world and its subjects. Integrity or truth are now missing in the choice made, depriving it of some goodness or subordinating the good, the ultimate good, an end to a lower good or a good that is incomplete or even false. And Don Marmion, to conclude on that, it is this feature of human acts, fully free, but in accord with our nature and the final end of our creation, and morally good in consequence, which ought to be the primary mark of our works in the sight of God. He says, he who says that he knows him and does not keep his commitments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. An act, as you know, is morally good when conformed to right reason. 
and reason as subject to the divine will, which is manifested to us through natural law inscribed in our nature, or positive law and so on, laws established by men, by the church. And here we see right away, if we further think about that, that sin deforms, sin destroys nature, because my works, my deeds do not reflect anymore what my nature claims for its full blossoming. A sinner, my dear friends, a great sinner is ugly, repulsive, he stinks, he does not look human anymore in the sight of God, and very often even in the sight of his fellow men. But with grace, with sanctifying grace, the one who once was a big sinner can now restore his humanness and his soul can now shine again with a new splendor and brightness. Veritatem facientes in caritate. Grace and charity intimately related to each other, and I explain. In fact, what is the only theological virtue that we lose when we commit a mortal sin? What is the only theological virtue I lose? It is the virtue of charity. I lose charity along, of course, with sanctifying grace. Again, the blessed Don Marmion explains that clearly with his spiritual genius. In caritate, he says, in charity, which is to say, first and foremost, in that fundamental, essential charity which makes us relate entirely to God. Finding in Him the supreme good, we prefer to any other good. This is a description of the fruit of the grace which makes us pleasing to God, to the point of being His children. It is true that supernatural charity is not grace, but the two always go together. The charity of God is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has, give, who has given to us. And sanctifying grace does not remove nature. It does not destroy nature. It presupposes his nature. This is why first is restored our humanness. To give you an analogy here, think of the very famous electrical bike here in Detroit, very useful. The little engine motor that propels the bike to assist the rider's pedal power. Sanctifying grace becomes then the source of all human activities without which, without which one cannot produce a single supernatural act, an act that would have some meritorious proportion to his eternal bliss, eternal life. He cannot earn his tickets for heaven if he has lost this grace. In the state of a grave sin, one can certainly perform some kind of good actions. We wouldn't call it true charity, more philanthropy on a human, strictly human level. Or maybe he can receive some graces or merit in a very wide sense here. Graces of conversion to do a good confession, to have the courage to go back to confession. Or graces of amendment to change his life. Or atonement to make reparation for his sins. But only sanctifying grace 
can give to our life its significance, its value in the sight of our eternal beatitude. If I do not have charity, and consequently if I don't have sanctifying grace, I have become a sounding brass and tingling cymbal. And if you're a bit familiar with orchestral music, a brass or cymbal cannot go unnoticed in an orchestra. Think of the end of the fourth symphony of Tchaikovsky. Man, in fact, can do a lot. He can get restless in many activities, in generous activities, in incredible actions, performances, great efforts, in numerous, maybe even prayers, charities, friendships, intellectual studies, whatever, you name it. But if no charity, if no sanctifying grace, no merit for heaven whatsoever. Lent will start very soon. And I think this could be our motto for these 40 days of wandering in the desert with our Lord. Veritatem facientes in caritate. Truth in my works, according to my nature, with reason, right reason, with willpower, and with true freedom. In a word, with truth and integrity, by rectifying my actions, if they are against what my right reasons teaches me, or my conscience teaches me, by judging the smallest daily words under that light, the light of the good, by keeping in my soul as my most precious treasure, charity, which arises with sanctifying grace. And then you understand why is it so important to keep sanctifying grace and to increase that sanctifying grace in our soul, because charity arises with it. God can then abide in me and me in Him. And one day we will all be reunited with Him for all eternity in an act of perfect and everlasting love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Amen.